What is going on, guys? Welcome into the Thought Force podcast. This is Eddie, and I just wanted to uh, say thank you for tuning in. And I appreciate every single one of you guys that tune in and listen to these podcasts. I hope you guys take some valuable information from the podcasts. And if you do, please make sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review as that helps us spread the message to more and more people and help out as many people as possible. Um, Hope you guys enjoy the podcast and thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the hottest podcast in the game. This is the Thought Force Podcast. Get ready. It's time to get in the zone. Here's your host, Eddie Salcedo. Play ball. What is going on, guys? Welcome to whichever podcast you are listening to. I'm with uh, Jack Anderson, and my name is Eddie Saucedo. Um, we just got in touch uh, on Instagram and thought that if we just had a chat and sat down with each other just to um, talk the mental game, talk our baseball careers, um, that you guys would take some valuable information out. Um, so, Jack, thanks for, for taking your time to, to sit down with me, and I'm, I'm pumped to get to dig a little bit into your brain yeah thanks Eddie happy to be here uh really happy with what you have going on I don't think that the the mental game is talked about as much as it should be so I'm excited to dive into it for sure yeah I mean I just want to start out I mean you let me know and and the audience know that that doesn't know exactly who you are kind of your story um how you got to where you are now and what you're doing now with your with uh your life and how you're making an impact uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm born in the suburbs of Chicago, um, in Palatine for those that are, are in the area. Uh, and I had a pretty standard upbringing, um, played baseball and football throughout high school. And then after high school, I went on to play baseball at university of Illinois, Chicago, um, which is a division one program down here in the city. Um, graduated from there in 2017, signed a independent league contract for, the 2018 season uh, with the Windy City Thunderbolts. So I played professionally for a year in the Frontier League. Mm. Um, wrapped up my career after that season and started a podcast of, uh, of our own with me and, and my buddy Mitch Schulowitz, who's a uh, Midwest area scout for the Dodgers. So that was just kind of our way of staying involved and connecting with different people from the baseball world. And, uh, you know, it's always a weird transition going from your playing career to trying to figure out what you're going to do after baseball. And that was just our way to kind of stay in it. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, for those of my listeners that have not checked out your podcast, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you guys talk about, what you, you, your message and your main goal with that podcast is just so um, the audience kind of get a little bit more knowledge on what the podcast is all about and if they should check it out. Yeah, it's it's called Plus Chirp, um, and it's just a lighthearted baseball show. Uh, so Mitch and I, both being former minor leaguers, we just wanted to connect with some unique people from the baseball community and bring out their stories. And we really had no expectations going into it. And for whatever reason, people like listening to us talk, and we've gained some traction and a little bit of an audience. Um, and it got to the point this week where we just wrapped up a uh, – 
a pre-sale where we partnered with um, foundation called Lost Boys Inc. here in Chicago, which is a, a non-for-profit to help uh, boys and girls in troubled Chicago neighborhoods, you know, use baseball as an outlet. Um, and we donated all the proceeds from some merchandise sales to them. So if you would have told me that that our show would have been doing that back in uh, March or whenever we started it, I would I would have said you're crazy. But we're here and, and we're really enjoying it. And um, I'm sure you you know exactly what it's like to try to start a podcast and, and see what the growth is like. So we're just kind of going with the flow. We don't really have any huge goals or expectations. Um, it's a fun show. It's laid back. It's not as uh, we're not as intellectual as you are. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's a I mean, I've listened to a ton of podcasts. I know one of them that I listen to is called The Mound Visit, um, which for me, I'm a catcher. It talks. I mean, they go, they interview a bunch of different great, great guests, you know, big league catchers, minor league catchers, big league, like Hall of Fame pitchers, just with their relationship with the catcher. And a lot of those interviews are really just stories, like the, the great stories that happen in baseball, sometimes not even from the star players or some of the most entertaining, you know, fun things to to listen to because there's a lot that goes into whether you're in college or pro ball like there's so many stories that you know that people explain and kind of take you through their career that is that's just really really fun and entertaining to listen to so um for those of you that want to listen to a light-hearted podcast like the plus chirp podcast i'm sure that uh you guys should definitely go check it out and uh Make sure to go follow Jack also on social media and go check his stuff out because, um, I mean, we all like to be around other baseball minds and it's all really one big community. And I, I love how, like we were talking before we went on the air, that it's an awesome world we live in now where you can DM whoever you, you want and there's a good chance they're going to end up responding and they, I mean you'd be surprised how many people are willing to connect and uh chat with you just like we did you know um exactly we're from the same general area really so I'm sure um if the the opportunity arises we can probably end up meeting each other in person um <laughs> but it all comes from a from a dm and there's really nothing stopping you from sending it you know um, and that's a great thing about the world we live in now is that there's so much information to be accessed. Um, but I want to jump kind of into the mental game because I know that's that's my big thing. And I'm sure that you as a player um, have learned a lot. So what are what are some things kind of in regards to the mental game that as you developed, you felt like you got better at things you felt um, like maybe when you were younger, you weren't as good at, but then as you started to get older that, that you got better at? Well, well, that's a good question. Cause I think the mental game is just like, is just like the physical side of baseball where in my opinion, um, it's all a pyramid. It's all building blocks, right? So if you, if you're the strongest kid in the world and you have great tools and you're a good kid on top of it, you're already in a great spot. And I think where it gets interesting is every player is going to face adversity at some point in their career. Yeah. And if you have all the tools in the world 
and then you face that first punch in the face, whether it's in high school ball, college ball, pro ball, whatever it is, that's where it starts to get really interesting. So what I realized over the course of my career, um, and I was just like that too, where I, I didn't even think about the mental game until I was in pro ball, you know, and if I could do it all over again, I would go back to, uh, when I started getting recruited out of high school and then just build on it from there. Um, cause we were lucky enough to have some, um, mental strength coaches in college. And when you're in college, I'm sure you can kind of relate to it. Like you don't, you're kind of just worried about yourself, right? You're not really too focused on these outside coaches coming in and you're not really buying into it because you're just trying to stay afloat and you got school and, um, social life and baseball and everything's kind of going a million miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And what I realized over the course of time was the more prepared that I was physically and mentally, um, that just gave me peace of mind to go out there and compete. So yeah. in, a, in kind of a backwards way, the mental game, it actually came second because the times when I would go out and play and I was nervous or I had a little bit too much of those first pitch butterflies or whatever it was, I could always relate it back to just not being prepared physically or mentally. And then what sticks out to me was in pro ball, it's pretty cutthroat in pro ball, especially in independent leagues which I played in. Those those lineups and those rosters are recycled every seven or 10 days because coaches are just bringing new guys in to try to see what sticks. And I was nervous, you know, I was nervous that if I didn't play well, I was going to get released and pull from playing in independently was to, was to play well, put up numbers, get signed and then go play affiliate ball. And I started playing my best with the most mental clarity when I was taking care of all my stuff off the field. So had a dialed diet, had a dialed in uh, workout plan, had a dialed in throwing program. And then from there, that just almost gave me that peace of mind to go out there and play. Um, so I think my mental confidence was just a byproduct of being prepared in other facets of baseball. Um, but you get tested and you could be, you could be as prepared as you ever were and your arm feels great. And you go out there and you have a horrible outing. But then I think that's just something that you can relate back to. Did I have the boxes of being in shape, being prepared before the game started, and then just trust that over the course of a season, the more times that you put yourself in that position, the better off you're going to be. Absolutely. And I mean, I believe that, like you said, the preparation is huge. And I always uh, like to use, I know it's a goofy example, but it basically is if you've never, you know, been able to ride a, a bike with two wheels and all of a sudden there's a monster coming after you and the only way you can get away from that monster is to hop on the bike with two wheels and ride away. If you've never practiced how to ride that bike, how do you expect to do it when there is the monster coming chasing after you and you feel like, oh no, I gotta go, I gotta go. Like, that's what a lot of people believe when it comes to the mental game. And they think that they're just going to roll into the game and I'm just going to try out this new breathing technique or whatever, um, whatever it is they either found online um, or they heard somebody say, it's very difficult to just jump into the game and go out and roll it into your, 
your your process as a part of the game like it has to be practiced it has to be uh done beforehand so that you're prepared and by the time you go into the game it's just one more time of doing it you're, it's not anything special it's just you doing it one more time because you've all, you've done it so many times that the game is just one more time that you're doing it and i mean that can be done in a variety of different ways like i just released a podcast episode where i talk about different everyday scenarios that you can practice the mental game i mean it can be i mean i know you hear a lot of guys talk about meditation visualization like all these big mental game words that everybody kind of associates to the mental game and i believe they're definitely a big part of practicing the mental game like being able to visualize yourself but those are very difficult to truly um have a great impact on your game unless if you are very disciplined and practice them almost on a daily basis because visualization is hard i mean if you if you try to just sit down for five minutes close your eyes and visualize you'll swear it's been 20 minutes and you look at the clock and it's been two like yep. it, it's very very difficult but the more you practice it the clearer the the vision will be and it you have to uh, prepare to be able to be able to perform on the field. And like I said, it doesn't just have to be meditation and visualization. Like there are so many different scenarios in your life where you can practice these mental game uh, tips or, or what, whatever you go to to either calm your nerves or, I mean, whatever it is. I mean, it can be you basically playing video games. Like if it's, you know, if you're playing Call of Duty and there's 30 seconds left and it's just you and this other guy and you're nervous, like, you know, you feel your heart rate going or something, you can take a step back and be like, all right, let me do my breathing technique or whatever. It doesn't matter if you're losing the video game, but, like, it, you, you get that same response and you're practicing it. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a video game, if it's a speech you have to give in class. Um, just becomes part of, of you. What's that? I said it just becomes part of you. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's not just something that happens between the lines. Like it's 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 a lifestyle because the mental game doesn't just apply when you're a baseball player. Like it applies when you're done playing the game, when you're playing the game. It's something that you can always get better at. You know, if you're driving and uh, some random driver, you know, gives you an inappropriate gesture, let's just say, you can either flip out and get totally out of control and spiral out of control or you can practice your mental skill of being able to um either laugh it off whatever it is that you think is best for you um i mean those are just a couple of different examples in real life that a lot of us go through um but we don't really think much of it like if you're playing call of duty and you're just playing i mean why not use it as a way to get better uh, as a person, but it'll also help you out as a baseball player when you're driving, whatever it is. I feel like meditation and visualization and all these kinds of words just get kind of brought into the mental game, but it's a lot more than just that. I think it definitely is a big part, but uh, a starting point, I mean, you, I'm not telling you, you have to sit down and meditate for 10 minutes and visualize for another 10 to be practicing the mental game. Like there are other things that people can be doing every single day 
just by being more intentional about what they're doing um, because you're going to run into those situations every single day. Um, and it's this, it's that same idea of the bike, that, that example of, you know, every time you, you play a video game or, or whatever situation it is and you practice your um, mental skill, it's like practicing riding that bike. And it's preparing you for being able to ride that bike when the monster is coming after you, when that game is coming and, you know, you might care about that baseball game more than the video game or whatever, whatever it is, you might care a little bit more, but you've practiced it enough so that, like I said before, it's just one more time and there's nothing special or different about it. So uh, that yeah. was kind of that's kind of my little tidbit on preparation because I think that's, that's huge. And like you said, I mean, preparation takes out a lot of the variables because you know exactly what you need to focus on. Um, and I, something I want to talk about also with you is I, I'm not sure as a player, how you, how you kind of navigated yourself through these two um, different things, but results versus the process was there a certain point in your life where you focus more on the process or the results I mean is there something you look back on in your career that you wish you would have done differently but where was your mind kind of at in terms of focusing on results versus focusing on your process uh I was pretty I was pretty result driven for a while and like anybody else it ends up catching up to you um because I think what's misconstrued about results is that it's mostly ego driven right you you care about numbers you care about your position on the depth chart um and then you kind of lose track of of what am i actually doing this for what am i actually trying to accomplish here so uh like my freshman year at uic um i started uh, in the saturday game so i was the number two pitcher in our rotation as a, as a true freshman and our first game was at Texas A&M. Uh, so I went from a average, you know, town, high school season. And then my next start was in front of 10,000 people at Texas A&M Stadium. Yeah. And the first batter that I faced, I struck him out on three pitches. And I'm like, oh, my God, college baseball is like, this is easy. Like, this is going to be a total cakewalk. Um, quickly humbled quickly humbled. I, I ended up struggling in conference play my freshman year. And then I actually had a, a really bad year, my sophomore year. Um, and when I think back about that time in my career, I was so focused on, I just wanted to impress people. I just wanted to, I wanted to perform well for my family. I wanted to perform well for my teammates. But when I think, when I thought about performing, it was all end result. Right. So I, I wasn't focused on how was my bullpen that week? How, how did my body feel that week? How did I sleep? How did I eat? It was all what's my ERA at this point of the year? What's my strikeout to walk ratio? Uh, do I have any W's, you know, in the win column? Um, it was all kind of focused on me. And I, that, I, I don't say that in a bad way. Like I'm not like an egotistical person and I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't have this big head by any means. Um, I actually, you know, I always prided myself on being a good teammate, but I think just the nature of competing and the nature of being dropped in that environment is it's really hard to not focus on end results. 
especially in baseball. Right. So my junior year um, was when I first took a step back and just focused on everything that wasn't numbers. So I was 100% committed to getting better in the weight room, becoming a better pitcher, and then sure enough, like well, like what happens with most people is when you start stacking those chips and you start prioritizing a little bit better, mm-hmm. you get rewarded down the road. Um, and then the numbers begin to take care of themselves. So what you were so focused on initially, when that be, when you put that in the back seat and you prioritize the process, the process gets thrown around a ton, right? And I think it's gotten to the point where people kind of say, okay, I'm, I'm sick of hearing about the process, but it's, it's true. You know, if you, if you can prioritize how you're going to go about being a person and a player, I think down the road, uh, you're just rewarded immensely. Um, so I think over time it happens, you know, as you just mature as a person, it happens. So I would say the first time that I really committed to the process, um, was my junior year. And then that actually ended up being a huge bummer because that was my Tommy John year. (laughs) So just when I was kind of on the right track, I had that little bump in the road. Yeah, I got you. Um, no, I mean, I, I think process versus results, like you said, is a very cheesy topic because we've all heard it. Like we all know the process, we're supposed to be focused on the process. And I mean, like you said, all of us, regardless of how good of a teammate or, you know, whatever, whatever we believe about ourselves at some point in our playing careers, whether it's now in the past or in the future, we all are going to get sucked into this trap of being results oriented at some point. There's nobody out there that has always since they were born until the day they die have always been process oriented. And the reason that is, is because this, our society that we live in, has conditioned us to focus on the results. Like no newspaper is going to be like, Hey, Tommy over here was so execute, like so focused on his processes and was the best at uh, executing his process. All the newspaper is going to say is this guy hit three bombs and hit two doubles, but no newspaper is going to end up saying, he has his process defined. He executed his process better than anybody else. And what people notice is what the newspaper says or what the scouting uh, summary says. And, and society has conditioned us to really focus on the process. I mean, on the, on the results. And I think we ha- there's, there has to be a balance. You, you cannot be 100% just looking at the process because sometimes I think you can it it'll take away of being able to change it so that you can get the most out of your results because I mean if we're being honest we all want the results but you have to realize that in order to get those results you have to take your focus away from it and realize what's going to give you the best chance to get those results so like for me my balance of those two is taking the results as feedback of how well my process is working. Like there might be a process that I'm thinking of. If my results are just terrible, you have to, you, you can't just ignore them 
and be like, I'm going to stick to the, to my process. If it's a long enough time, I mean, I'm not saying it should just be one game. One game is not a big enough sample size to, to just throw your process into the trash or even five games or 10 games. Like, like you have to find that balance and you have to tell yourself, I'm going to execute this process for this amount of time. And it can't be one game. One game is not enough. But you have to say for the next 15 games, I'm going to execute this process to the best of my ability. And once those 15 games are over, I'm going to take a look at the results and analyze how well this process is really working for me. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, by results, it's very tricky because a lot of people think batting average, but like for me, results is how hard you hit the ball, the percentage of times you hit the ball hard. I mean, you can't, you could have a batting average of 0.05, but barrel almost every single ball. Is that very likely? No, but it could happen. Um, so I think there's a balance. I think you have to pay attention to both. And at the end of the day, we all want results. But in order to get those, we have to understand that what's going to put you in the best position to achieve those results is to focus on the process that you've set for yourself. And um, that's, that's a big key is the more you focus on your process, the better you're giving yourself a chance to achieve results because there is no process that will guarantee this result. All you can do is put yourself in a good position. And as long as you know you're putting yourself in a good position, that's all that matters. And that goes along with the preparation as well. Like all you should take pride in is putting yourself in the best position you can to succeed. Doesn't mean you will succeed, but putting yourself in the best spot is really what it's all about. Um, and whether that's before the game, when you're on deck, uh, pregame bullpen, whatever it is, um, just giving yourself that best chance to succeed is the biggest part. That'll do it for part one of Jack and I's talk. Um, I will be posting out parts two and three in the future, so please make sure to keep on the lookout for those if you enjoyed this podcast episode. Uh, make sure to follow at ThoughtForce on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as we are posting mental game content each and every day. Um, and if you had not done so already, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Thought Force Podcast. 